This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Keith Weber talks about the Apostles' reaction at the Last Supper. What were the Apostles expecting? How did Jesus change the typical Passover meal? Well, let's find out. Father Keith is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Kelly Roper. We now get to welcome in Father Keith Weber. Welcome, Father. Are you on the line? I am. I am. Excellent. So glad that that you're able to join us, even if it is uh, by telephone. We are so (laughs) grateful to have you call in. By way of introduction, Father Keith Weber has been a priest for 39 years, during which he served in six parishes, a couple of them where he served twice, as well as in a variety of capacities for the diocese, including chief finance officer and Chancellor. He is currently the pastor of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Salina, and we are so grateful to have you here with us today. It's wonderful to be here. Excellent. We know that all good things begin with prayer, so would you be willing to lead us in a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Eternal God, mindful that the risen Christ is with us every day, every step of every day. Help us to appreciate his presence in our midst and turn to him often so that through our days and lives we may continue to be guided by him. May we allow him to be our good shepherd, helping us to walk the right path of life. So today, Lord, we ask your blessing of guidance and wisdom as we walk with our Savior. Mm. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, so Father, your topic today is the Apostles' reaction during the Last Supper. So we're going to be talking about that. But before we get started on that, tell us a little bit about this topic, the Apostles' reaction during the Last Supper. I, I thought it was a, an interesting approach to to the Last Supper and to the Eucharist for sure in the fact that the apostles went through so many emotions as they tried to understand what was really going on at the Last Supper. That, to kind of set the stage, um, you know, as we know in John's Gospel, he, he tells us that Jesus was preparing the apostles for the Last Supper and the Eucharist all the way back in chapter 6 when he was telling them that I am the bread of life. And he was telling this not just to the apostles, but as we know, to the large crowd of people he had just fed with the loaves of bread and the fish. And he, and he was very clear to all of them, you must eat my flesh, you must drink my blood if you're going to have eternal life. And he said this a few times to them because they just weren't catching on. And as we know in the Bible, it, St. John tells us that everybody left, and they wouldn't follow Jesus. They, they thought he was asking them to be cannibals, and so they all left, except for the twelve. Mm. And so Jesus even turns to them, and he says, do you want to leave me too? I mean, the Eucharist was such an important point for him, such an important message for him, that, you know, he was willing to risk everybody leaving him, mm. to, rather than deny the truth of this. And, you know, St. Peter, as we know as a head apostle, he, he responds to Jesus. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? We know you have the words of eternal life. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, at that point, the feeling of the apostles 
was one of great confusion. They really did not understand what Jesus was saying. It made no sense to them either. But on the flip side, they trusted him. And they trusted him that he wasn't going to lead them astray, that he was going to guide them with the wisdom of God. They, they really trusted that he had the words of eternal life. So they were confused, but yet they were trusting. And so that was a feeling they had. But Jesus was setting the stage, obviously, for the Last Supper and the Eucharist. And so they, they had that confusion. Now, it says in John's Gospel that this event of Jesus feeding the, the thousands and, and saying these words about, I am the bread of life, it happened, it says, uh, it was near Passover. Well, quite a bit happens between this event and the Last Supper, so it's unclear just how much time really elapses between the, the, when Jesus said this and everybody left him, except for the apostles, and when they gathered for the Last Supper. We're not real sure how much time, you know, but, but the confusion certainly must have stayed with them. We also know that the week before the Last Supper, there was great fear that Jesus was going to be arrested. They were, they were so scared that the, the, you know, the, the rumors were strong, that he was going to be arrested, he was going to be tortured, he was going to be killed. The rumors were flying you know, all over the place. And so the apostles you know, approached that whole week with fear of, you know, is somebody going to jump out, out from the corner now and arrest him? Is, you know, or are they, somebody going to walk up and try to trap him with words? You know, they were always on their lookout. And so it was a tense week for them. But yet when they came to the Last Supper, when they came to the Passover meal, they didn't know, obviously, this was going to be the last meal they were going to eat with Jesus before he was arrested. But yet they approached it with, okay, we can rest now. Mm-hmm. You know, it was such a, a wonderful, relaxed feeling. Uh, they were happy. Uh, when, when I teach this in a class in RCIA, I talk about, you know, to them, the Passover meal, which they had every year, was, would be somewhat comparable in terms of feelings and emotions anyway to what we approach Christmas Eve. You know, when, when we as Christians celebrate Christmas Eve, we kind of feel like, okay, the world may be, you know, not going in the right direction. The world may have a lot of problems. But tonight, we could put it all to the side and relax and enjoy. Mm. You know, that's how we kind of approach Christmas Eve as a wonderful time. We kind of pretend the whole world's at peace. Well, that's how they approached Passover, Passover was a meal where they gathered with friends and family and just relaxed for the evening, had a wonderful meal, shared time together, shared food together, just relaxed. They didn't think, in their minds, this is a night where nothing bad is going to happen. We can relax, we can put down our guard, we don't have to be nervous, we're okay. So that was their emotion when they approached the Last Supper. Now, as we know, Jesus had a very different emotion. I mean, he knew what was going to happen, so he approached the Last Supper completely different. But the apostles, when they came into the room, you know, they were ready to just relax and take a breath. So it was a great start. But right away, Jesus starts to put them on edge. And when he washes their feet, now, 
you know, as I think probably most people know, um, washing the feet of a guest was a common thing to do back at the time of Jesus on this earth. When you when you have somebody come to your home as a guest, you would, you know, like today, I apologize, when, we, when somebody comes to our home today as a guest, one of our first things is, well, do you want something to eat? Do you want something to drink? Um, you know, have a place to sit. You know, we, we try to make them feel comfortable. Well, at the time of Jesus on this earth, when somebody came to your home, one of the ways that you made them feel welcome was, can, you, we, can we wash your feet? Israel's a very hot country. It's also a very dirty country. So when the person came to your home, their feet were hot and dirty. And um, so to soak their feet in a, in a bowl of, of cool water was a wonderful gift. And the person who washed the feet of guests was always the lowest person in the household. You know, if you had a servant, the servant was the one who washed the feet of the guest, not the host. Well, when Jesus gathered with the apostles at the Last Supper, as we know in the Bible, in the Gospel of John, it says one of the first things he did was he washed their feet. And Peter, of course, objected at first and then went along with it. But that put the apostles on edge. They said, you know... This is unusual. This is not normal. This is, you know, not what's supposed to happen here. You know, as even Peter said, he goes, Lord, I should be washing your feet, not you washing mine. And, and, and you know, and they had gathered with meals with Jesus for three years now, and he hadn't washed their feet before. And so, you know, now they're thinking, okay, this is going to be a different night. And so their emotions or their feelings were, okay, I'm not sure what's going on again here. You know, Jesus had a, had a habit of kind of tweaking some of their traditions. And this was certainly a tweaking of a tradition for them. And so now they're starting to think, okay, maybe something's going to happen here that's unusual. This is not a normal beginning to the meal. Mm. But yet they began the meal. And so they go into this, and it's, it's, it's a great time, and they're relaxing, they're enjoying, um, they're, they're having a, had the opportunity just to talk and visit and put their problems behind them. I mean, and, and this is a meal that they knew well. You know, they had grown up with this meal. They, you know, since they were young boys, they had been coming to this meal every year, if possible. And so... You know, they, they, they knew the rituals well. They, they, they knew the main elements of the meal. They knew the prayers of the meal. They knew the songs that were going to be sung. They knew the Bible readings that were going to be read. They knew the questions that were going to be asked. They even knew who was going to ask those questions. You know, so they, they knew the ritual very, very well. And ritual, as we all know, makes us feel comfortable. You know, like when we come to Mass... The ritual helps us enter into prayer because it makes us feel comfortable. And so as the apostles started having the Passover, once the feet were washed, as they started having the Passover meal, the ritual certainly would have made them feel more comfortable. They could have started thinking, okay, this, maybe this will be a normal night. Maybe this will be just a chance to relax. And so their feelings now... The roller coaster, you know, now comes into a more calm period, and it's, it's, things are going well. And then, as we know, Jesus changes the ritual. When he takes the bread, and he doesn't say the normal blessing. 
when he takes the bread and says, this is my body. Take this and eat. This is my body. And, you know, that shocked the apostles. Mm-hmm. You know, the ritual of the Passover meal, they felt, was God-given. It was divinely inspired. And no one had the right to change the words of the ritual. Mm-hmm. You know, they had come to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They had not yet really come to understand him as divine. And so, you know, they, you know, even though if he was Messiah, you know, to, for him to change the words of the ritual, this divinely inspired words of the ritual, that had to shock them. I mean, just completely throw them out of the loop. But yet, obviously, they trusted Jesus. They accepted what he said, you know, and they received the Eucharist, the, the bread. And then, um, and then, you know, of course, we know at the end of the meal, when he takes a cup of wine and says, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, be poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. You know, once again, that those words were not part of the ritual. So those two things, when Jesus turned the bread into the bread and wine into his body and blood, that, those words of Jesus had to completely shock them. Yeah. So, um, and we know that it shocked them because they remembered them. They remembered those words so well. The, um, in all four Gospels, those words are there, which is unusual for all four Gospels to have that. And then, of course, St. Saint P- Saint Paul in his letters has those same words again. And so we know that those words were remembered. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. And, and still, you know, over 2,000 years later, still the words being used. Right. Yeah. Right. How cool um, is our Catholic faith? Oh, my gosh. The, the, the faith that was given to us by Jesus Christ himself. How wonderful it is to be a part of that. That's right. amazing. And, you know, I hadn't really thought about how shocked they must have been when he changed. They were expecting, you know, the, the normal. They were expecting the Passover. Another really important point that you made is that the words of consecration were the same in all of the Gospels. And that's that's rare. Yes, it is. Yeah. it has. It, does it happen at all, or is that the only place that it happens? Oh, no, there, there's a few other places where the words are, but not often. Not, yeah. When you look at the four Gospels, they, they obviously, you know, their memories are, are, you know, when you remember something and then you have to tell it and maybe retell it, um, it, it you don't remember it usually word for word a lot of times. But that's what, you know, the reason we, we have the words we, did, we do for the, for the consecration is because of the reaction of the apostles. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jesus gave the words, yes, there's no doubt, but they were remembered because the apostles were so shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I I guess I had never thought about that. I don't know why I haven't, but I've never thought about that. Well, you know, once, you know, Jesus had given the Eucharist, um, you know, their minds had to be reeling. I mean, yeah. they, they, they were shocked, they were confused. Um, it, it's, it's, 
probably doubtful, although we don't know for sure, but probably doubtful that they remembered what he had said when he said, you must eat my flesh, must drink my blood to have eternal life. They probably did not tie those together yet. Mm. But uh, maybe they did. Maybe they're sharper than I give them credit for. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, um, but, you know at, at the Last Supper, it, 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 would be, you know, it would be amazing if they did tie that together already at that point. Yeah. You know, because they were just completely bewildered at this time. And then, as we know, after Jesus wrapped up the meal, well, it's kind of wrapped up, he left to go out to the garden to pray. Mm. And, you know, he left the meal basically early because you, you're supposed to eat the whole lamb before you leave. And, you know, that takes a while. Yeah. And so him leaving, it's more than likely that he left the meal before they thought it was normal to leave the meal. So once again, they had to be just, what is he doing? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. how does this make sense? Why is he doing this? Yeah. And so they, they left the meal somewhat confused. They left it definitely shocked. They left it um, thinking, okay, maybe we'll put this together later. You know, it had been a tough week. They were exhausted. They were tired. They had been relaxing. And as we know with the Passover meal, you do drink a considerable amount of wine. And so, you know, they had had, they, they, they had filled their, you know, with all this food that they were eating. They had, they had been drinking all this wine. They, they, so they left thinking, okay, you know, we'll, we'll figure this out later. Yeah, where we're tired, we're going to go out to the garden, um, because that's where they have been staying, as we know in the Bible. They've been staying in the garden at night. And so they they were going back out there thinking, okay, we're just going to go out here. We're going to rest. We're going to be okay. We'll figure this all out later. Maybe tomorrow Jesus will explain this to us, okay? And so they went out to the garden, of course, and that's, as we all know, when Jesus asked them to pray, and they had a hard time staying awake, and so they... They kept falling asleep, which, you know, as we know, the Bible, Jesus is pointing out to us that the apostles, if they would have been able to stay awake and pray, maybe they would have done a better job in, to, in standing up for him. But, uh, but they didn't. They fell asleep. And, you know, then, of course, he, when, they, when they come and they arrest him and he's put on trial, you know, they had to go into all of that with such sadness and and be, and and just not knowing which way was up it, it, the whole last supper had to be completely confusing but then his arrest his trial and his death on the cross was 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 just putting everything in in turmoil yeah but as we know later it started to make sense and that's when they were actually able to take the time and think and put it all in perspective. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, and I know for me, when I am thinking about something and trying to make sense out of it, when it finally does, that light bulb goes off, what a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, and that's had to be how the apostles felt when they finally figured out. This all makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know. So, and one of the things that helped him make sense was that Jesus used the word, do this in remembrance of me. The word he used in, in, in Hebrew is the same, he took it right out of the Passover meal. And it's, 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 when I teach this in RCIA, I, I always point out that word, remembrance, is key to the apostles finally figuring out how this all fits together. Because the word remembrance to them the, the, you know, is more than just to think about something. You know, in, in, in the Passover meal, when the word remembrance is used, and it's used a few times, but when it's used, is to, is to reconnect this moment with the historical moment. You know, like, like in the Passover meal, when they say, you know, our ancestors were slaves in Egypt and God delivered them. Um, when our ancestors were going through the desert and God gave us manna so we wouldn't die, it was, he gave us that bread of life he, so we, we wouldn't die in the desert. They don't say our ancestors were slaves in Egypt. Our ancestors went through the desert. They say we were slaves in Egypt. We went through the desert. To remember something in the Passover meal is to reconnect and re, re, re be there again. So the, the moment that they're referring to and the present moment truly becomes one moment. And, you know, all time falls away, all space falls away. So like in the, in the Passover meal, when they talk about slavery in Egypt, they are slaves in Egypt at that moment. You know, when they're talking about the desert, they are in the desert eating the manna. So Jesus used that word when he said, do this in remembrance of me. So they knew that this miracle of Jesus was different than all the other miracles. You know, all the other miracles Jesus did were amazing, but he never used that word. You know, when he, when he fed the 5,000, he didn't say, now do this in remembrance of me. You know, when he, when he cured the, the leper, he didn't say, now do this in remembrance mm-hmm. of me. At this miracle, he did say it. And that's how we are able to share in the, in the miracle of the Eucharist every time we have Mass. Wow. Wow. When we have Mass, we are at the Last Supper. And the bread and the wine on our altar is mingled with the bread and wine on the Last Supper table. Yeah. All because of the word that Jesus used. Yeah. And that's what helped the apostles make the light bulb go off. This is what he was talking about. Yeah. He knew how much we needed him. And he wasn't going to leave us. Right. He, was, he would always be with us. And that, I mean, you can imagine the joy in their hearts when they realize that. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about the Apostles' reaction at the Last Supper with Father Keith Weber. on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture on Divine Mercy Radio. 
Father Keith Weber. The Apostles' Reaction at the Last Supper. Kelly Roper conducts the interview. Now we get to go back and, and talk to, to Father Keith Weber about the Apostles' reaction during the Last Supper. You know, something that really struck me when you were talking, Father, too, is that, you know, you said he left the uh, meal early um, before finishing the lamb, before finishing the fourth cup. Can you talk maybe a little bit about that as well or more about the reactions? Sure. Um, yeah, we don't know for sure if he. Uh, there, there is uh, biblical scholars that fall on both sides of the of the of the fence on whether he had the fourth cup of wine at the meal or not. Okay. The um, uh, as, as as you know on the Passover meal, they drink wine throughout the whole meal, but there's four times that they they bless the wine and, and, and the cup, and they drink the the cup of wine. The um, some scholars believe that he had he drank all four at the at the Last Supper, but other scholars feel like he he saved the last cup until he was on the cross mm. when he when he drank a, a little bit of wine then. So it, it's a it's a debatable point among biblical scholars, but um, but either way. Uh, you know, he took one of those cups of wine, whether it was the third cup or the fourth oh. cup, um, and and gave us the Eucharist. So um, yes. that that's the important point. Whether it was a third cup or fourth cup, to me, is is, is we'll let the scholars debate that issue. Yes. Um, all we need to know is that Jesus gave us the Eucharist. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. So, what else do we want to talk about with the reactions? Well, the. Um, I think you know once they they started to understand what Jesus was actually doing at the Last Supper, once they were able to put it all together, they realized how he was feeling. You know, as I said, when Jesus came into the Last Supper, he knew that this would be the last meal he would eat with his apostles before his death, and so when he sat down. I mean, he had to have a very heavy heart. He looked at the apostles, and he knew that they were going to be the ones that were going to need to become the new leaders. Mm. And, you know, as, as probably most teachers, when you look at their students, they think, oh, I wonder if they really know enough. <laughs> Are they really ready? And, um, you know, Jesus knew that their lives were going to be tough. He knew how much they were going to be challenged and persecuted and even killed, most of them killed, because of their belief in him. And, you know, the love that he had for the apostles, he, he wanted to help them mm-hmm. because he knew what their future held. And so that's why he washed their feet first and gave them the Eucharist as well at the, during that one meal. Like I said, he gathered with, to eat with the apostles many times. I mean, and probably the Passover meal at least three times with them before. Yeah. But he had never washed their feet before, as far as we know. But this time he did. And, you know, he did it because he wanted them to know, first of all, that 
they were going to be the new leaders, and they had to be a servant leader, not a leader who leads by fear and, and, and force, but a servant leader. And that meant they had to wash the feet of others figuratively in helping people have a better life as they come closer to God. Mm. And that he knew was going to be tough. But he gave them the Eucharist to give them the strength to be servant leaders. Mm. And so, you know, again, when, when the apostles realized how Jesus was feeling and why he did what he did, you know, they, it, was, it had to be a humbling experience for them. Yeah. And, and it is for us. When we, when we take that to the next level and think, okay, he gives us the Eucharist too. Yeah. And, he, and he wants us to be servant leaders as well. Yeah. And going out and helping people come closer to God is not an easy task. Right. And sometimes we are mis- misunderstood. Sometimes we are persecuted. Um, sometimes, you know, we are accused of, of being, you know, out of touch with reality. Um, you know, all this, this happens, and it's not easy, as we all know. Mm-hmm. But we have the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we think about how the apostles felt, when they realized what Jesus had done for them, we need to stop and think what Jesus has done for us. Yeah. He challenges us to be servant leaders, but he gives himself to us in the Eucharist so we can be servant leaders. Mm. Mm. And that is a very humbling thought. Yeah. 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 I I love that, and you know, it makes me think again. I, I mentioned this earlier when we were talking, you know, about Saint Augustine's quote, and I'm trying to pull it out here, um, but it's something like, "We are who we eat," mm-hmm. and, yes. and it can't help but change us. You know, when right. when we are receiving so intimately the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, and the fact, as you point out, that he he gave us that gift. It, you know, started in the Last Supper, but gave us that gift and continues to give us that gift so that we can be closer to Him and so that we can grow towards Him. And I, I just, I love the fact that, that we become who we eat is, you know, the, the gift that He has given to us because that's what He wants of us. Mm-hmm. So, Father, what else would you like to share with our listeners? Well, the... Um I, 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 that's pretty much all of my notes that I had about uh, the reaction of the apostles at the Last Supper. But there is one other, one additional piece I think, which is always I, I like because I like reflecting on the Bible as we all do. But um, the road to Emmaus story in the Gospel mm-hmm. of Luke, you know, as we know, you know, it happens. You know, the stage is that it happens on Sunday, Easter Sunday. Yeah. And two of the disciples, not the apostles, but two of the disciples of Jesus are walking back to their hometown of Emmaus, which it says in the Bible is seven miles distant. And the risen Christ walks with them, and their eyes are refrained from recognizing him. But St. Luke tells the event in the format that's clearly the Mass. Yeah. You know, Jesus walks up, there's the greeting. Mm-hmm. Then they have 
the Bible readings, because it says that he quoted all the scriptures that referred to him. And so we have the Bible readings next. And then it says Jesus explained those readings to the two disciples. Mm. So we have the homily. And then they get to Emmaus, and Jesus acts as if he's going on farther, and they beg him to stay. So he goes into their house and gathers at table to eat with them, mm. the gathering at the, at the altar. And then during the meal, Jesus takes the bread, blesses it, breaks it, and that's when they recognize the risen Christ in their midst. Yeah. And he disappears. And, and you know, as you know, the, in the early church, the, the, we didn't call the Mass the Mass. Okay, we called it the Breaking of Bread or the Lord's Supper. Those were the titles for it. We, you know, we, it became the, ti- the Mass title came later. And so in the early years, the title for, for the ritual was either the Breaking of Bread or the Lord's Supper. So St. Luke wants to make it very clear he's talking about the Mass and the Eucharist mm. and recognizing the risen Christ in the Eucharist. Mm. And so those two disciples, as we hear, once they recognized the risen Christ in the Eucharist, they ran back to Jerusalem. Mm. Now, we have to remember, it's nighttime. It's unsafe to walk the roads at night. So no one in their right mind, travels the roads at nighttime. So their response, their reaction, their feelings are one of such great excitement and joy in recognizing the risen Christ in the Eucharist that they run back seven miles. Mm. That, again, has to be ours. We have to have that same excitement, the same joy of seeing the risen Christ in the Eucharist, of knowing it really is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. Yeah. That should bring us, when we go to Mass, that joy, that excitement. Certainly the apostles felt it once they put it all together. The two disciples felt it. We know in the Bible that they ran for seven miles. That's how we need to feel. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, and... I agree wholeheartedly, and yet somehow, and I, I'm not, uh, you know, I am preaching only to myself right here, Father, <laughs> only to myself, but I, I have a feeling that there's got to be listeners out there that feel the same way. You know, sometimes I'm distracted, my mind's all oh, over the sure. place, I'm not paying attention. When I go up and receive, do I really, truly understand? You know, I'd like to think I do, but I don't think I... I get it completely. I probably won't this side of, of heaven, right? Um, so give us some tips. How can we do better? First of all, give yourself a break. <laughs> Everybody gets distracted. Um, it, it, it happens. And the thing we need to be is gentle with ourselves and say, okay, I need to refocus. Mm-hmm. Just refocus. Every time we find ourselves distracted in prayer, whether it be the Mass or the Rosary or whatever prayer we're praying, when we get distracted, we just say, okay, I need to bring myself back. I need to refocus. And then refocus, though, with purpose and determination and say, okay, what am I doing? You know, what is this I'm focusing on? What, what's the purpose? Um, you know, to, to rekindle the whole purpose behind it. Um, you know, sometimes when, when we're in prayer, especially like 
to focus just on the Mass at this point, I suppose. But when we're in prayer at Mass, when we refocus, it um, we just try to, okay, well, what, what's this person reading, or what's this person saying, or whatever? And that's great, but to refocus with a purpose of, okay, why am I here? Why am I listening to this Bible reading? Why am I listening to this priest preach? Why am I, you know, why am I gathered at the altar? You know, why? And it helps maybe give a little bit more strength in that refocusing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And and then the other thing in my, my mind, I, I know we all try to do this, but sometimes we get distracted, like you say, too many things going on in life. But to be able to spend a few minutes before Mass and stop ourselves and say, okay, why am I here for the whole thing? I mean, you know, what's the purpose here? Um, you know, what am I getting ready to do here? Uh, just take, you know, that's why I always tell people, you know, you really need to get to Mass a, a few minutes early at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it, um, and I know it's tough sometimes with lives are hectic and, and especially if you got kids and, and, um, but, you know, to get to Mass a little bit early is a good thing to do just to stop and remember. Because the more we remember why, the easier it is to stay focused. And, uh, you know, I mean, I remember when I was growing up as a kid, you know, we we always got to Mass at least 10 to 15 minutes before it began. Mm. You know, that was just part of who we were. And, and it was good. I mean, it's, it's a good habit to get into. And it really, as a kid, I don't know that I always appreciated it, mm-hmm. but I can see why my parents did it. Um, it's it's a good thing to do to stop ourselves because our lives go a million miles an hour Mm. and mass is not a million miles an hour Mm. it's prayer and it's a whole different pace so to have a transition period before mass begins is a good thing to do yeah yeah i uh, such good advice and and how about the after i mean we've just gone up we've received Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. How about the after communion and right. maybe even after Mass ends? You know, we don't want to go out into our car and all of a sudden be mad at everybody as we're getting out of the parking lot, you know? So so give us some tips on, on that, too, after communion and after Mass. Yes, I would agree. Um, you know, taking that just a brief moment after communion to reflect on what we what just happened in our hearts and our lives, certainly is a way to make it, to, to enhance the effect of the Eucharist. But you know, once we walk outside and start talking to people and get to the cars, you know, it's, it's important to remember who everybody is and what we all just did. Mm. You know, again, when I, when I teach on, on the Mass at, at RCIA, I, I talk a lot about you know, family meals. And when you think of a family meal, you know, what do you do with family meals? Well, you talk about what was like when you were growing up. You talk about, you know, your history. Um, you know, what Aunt whoever did, you know, 50 years ago, whatever. And 
you know, so you, you talk about your history, which is our Bible readings. You, 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 you gather around a table, you eat together. You know, when at a family gathering, when everybody's leaving, you know, it isn't you all get in the parking lot and yell at each other. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're, you're happy you just spent time together. Yeah. You know, so we need to remind ourselves of, okay, maybe I do need to get, you know, to the, you know, to the next event that's going on today. Uh, maybe I need to get home and get, you know, my meals started at home or whatever. But that's okay. Think about what we just did together. Not just I received the Eucharist. We received the Eucharist. Mm. We were together. We just got done praying together. We gathered as a as a family of God together. You know, that to remind ourselves of that when we're leaving. You know, that makes us able to talk to people that maybe we don't know so well and just say, okay, yeah, but you're part of my family of God. We have about three minutes left. We want to get your blessing. But if you have any last thought about uh, this topic. Okay, very good. Well, the, uh, I guess any final thoughts I would have are just to say thank you to you and to all your listeners. Um, yeah, the, We do have a, an amazing faith, and it certainly is centered on Christ and the Eucharist. And um, as we read the Bible and reflect upon it, you know, the Mass just takes on a whole meaning that that just cannot be negated in any way. It's just it's just an amazing thing to do. So, I you know, I always feel like the more we learn, the 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 more we appreciate what we have. So, uh, just uh, just encourage everybody to take the time to learn more about the Mass and and uh, just keep learning. Thank you. Thank you for helping us with that, too. And your blessing, please. Sure. Eternal God, I ask your blessing upon Catholic Radio, but also upon all those who listen to it. Be with them this day. Give them the courage that they need to continue to be your disciples. Give them the ability they need to go forth and to share your message with the world. May every time we hear your message, Lord, May we become instruments as we share that message with others. And so, dear God, I ask your blessing upon the radio, all the workers, the staff, and also all the listeners. Mm -hmm. Be with everyone and bless them. May they be nourished by the Eucharist as they continue to be servant leaders in our world. And I ask this blessing in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword, Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. If you're a business or service that can support this Double-Edged Sword show, please note that your underwriting will run three times during the show, which runs five times a week. Interested? Just give us a call at 785-621-4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 101.7 KJDM, Lindsborg, Salina, 105.7 KMDG, Hayes, 88.1 KRTT, Great Bend, and 88.1 KBDM, Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.